0: Welcome to Familypreneur,
1: the podcast for parent entrepreneurs,
0: raising kidpreneurs.
1: It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host.
0: She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Meg Brunson. Brunson. Hey there. Welcome to another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guest is a marketing strategist with more than 10 years of experience with nonprofits, agencies, and big corporations. Now, she helps small business owners market themselves. She understands the challenges of limited resources and time and shares her proven methods for visibility and relationship building to get clients and grow your business. Join me in welcoming the host of the Market Like a Boss podcast and founder of Vroom Communications, Michelle Vroom. Hey, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Meg. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I feel like we have a lot of uh, friends in common and things like that. And I know that we've got some... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> we've got a lot of the same like business values. So we yeah, both are yeah. interested in... Uh, moms, seeing moms succeed in business without sacrificing time with their family. So I'm really excited to get your perspective and point of view on on that topic and on business in general. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) I love talking about this stuff. (laughs) So everybody's got a unique story and I'd love to hear yours. You know, I know you came from a line of, of entrepreneurs. So tell me what that looked like growing up and how it influenced your decision to take this career path.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think when you come from a line of entrepreneurs, like it's in your blood. It was just something that I didn't realize was in my blood at the time. So um, just kind of a little backstory here. My great-grandfather started a cider company um, during the Great Depression selling site or door to door. So if I don't like if that doesn't say entrepreneur, <laughs> I don't know what does, right. Um, and then my dad ended up my grandfather was in the company, my dad was running the company. Um, and then even after my dad left the company and like sold the company, like he still continued to be an entrepreneur where he was coaching businesses and doing things like that. Um, you know, mostly in, in the financial field. And so growing up, um, seeing like non traditional a non traditional job. I should say non-traditional in quotes because I think it's becoming like what is traditional anymore, right? Um, but watching my family, you know, kind of be supported by a non-traditional job, I think it just showed me what was possible. And then fast forward to, you know, my later years, right? Um, you know, I, I right after college, like, did what you're supposed to do, like got a job, like moved on up to different jobs and different companies. And before I started my business, I was working for... Um, a corporate company, Cigna, the health insurance company. So I kind of always did what I was supposed to do and like what felt safe. And even before I had my, my older son, my first child, I had this sense that like, you know what, this isn't really what I want to do long-term. Like I want to be in control. I want that freedom. And so I actually had even had conversations with like mentors and people who had done the same thing. So the seed was planted at a young age and, and just continued to grow. I just had this assumption, Meg, that like, oh, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to start my own business when I'm in my fifties and the kids are grown up and, and off to college or something like that. I don't even know why I thought that. And then my first son was born and that was that, like everything changed. My priorities changed. My desires changed. And that little possibility of what could you do, like if you decided to go down this path, like that was planted and that was it. Like soon after I had my older son, um, I decided to start my business. He was six months old at the time. So talk about stressful, right? Starting a business with a six month old, but I wanted it badly enough and I wasn't willing to wait. And I'm sure that
0: a lot of listeners can relate to that. Oh, for sure. And at that time your husband was also traditionally employed. He was traditionally right?
1: employed. Um, he since he's now is not, but he was traditionally employed. So like we're sitting there over the dining room table with spreadsheets out. Like, you know, I was the breadwinner at the time. So it was scary, you know, financially for us. We took a huge hit. And I shouldn't even say hit because it's not I didn't view it that way, but it was a sacrifice, I guess, is a better word to use. And um He really was, you know, he was all in on me going out and starting my own thing. And then as soon as like we started to see what the free, like free, the freedom that comes with that lifestyle, he ended up like a year or so later doing his own thing. He freelances, like he doesn't, it's a little different in terms of what he does than what I do, but he's self-employed. Like we're a completely self-employed family and while it can be difficult at times there are just so many blessings that have come with that that i wouldn't change a thing i wouldn't even look back
0: what would you say is like your number one lesson that you learned or a number one tip you would give to somebody else who's in a similar position oh man well there's a lot of lessons learned i think the
1: number one tip i would give is like if you feel strongly enough about something and you know deep in your heart that this is what you're supposed to do don't put it off for another second. Do it. Like, take the leap. Like it's never going to feel comfortable. People are waiting for comfort, for safety, for security. What's safe anymore? Are jobs safe? Like traditional jobs? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like we're waiting for everything to be perfect. And if you wait for everything to be perfect, you'll be waiting forever. So I think that's my biggest tip. Um, in terms of lessons learned, I mean, I wish that. I had treated my business like a business when I first started, if that makes sense. Like there was, there were, you know, there was a part of me that almost felt like I was playing business at first. And so I wish that I had taken it, like really treated it like a business. Like I remember people would say to me, like in the, in the early days when I started my business, what, what are you, you know, what do you do? And I was kind of like, Oh, I just run this little business. Like I was sort of like playing it off. And I wish I had
0: owned the fact that it was a successful business from day one instead of waiting for validation. And that makes sense. I think people, it's the imposter syndrome, right? You feel like... Oh, percent Yeah. Who are you? Every high-achieving female entrepreneur, and you have to be a
1: high-achieving woman to be an entrepreneur, (laughs) every single one deals with imposter syndrome. So you're
0: absolutely right. Was the business you're doing now, was that the business you started then? Yes, but it's evolved. Um, So... When I first started the business, I always knew I wanted to do
1: marketing because that's that's what I know, right? So my career um, has been in marketing, communications, public relations, kind of just communications in general. And so I started to get wind of the fact that there were a lot of small businesses out there that just needed marketing help. Like they didn't know how to get themselves out there. They didn't know how to get visible, especially in today's world. You know, they didn't know how to land new clients. And it excited me to think of helping a small business versus like going to a bigger company, right. And doing marketing for that. And so, but, but at the time when I started my business, I kind of just said, well, I'm going to help all small business, small business owners. Okay. So like, what does that mean? Right. There's so many different small businesses and I didn't have a clear, clear path of what that would look like probably until about a year and a half in, to be honest with you. Um, I kind of just took on any work that I could. Then a year and a half in, I started to realize that the women that I wanted to serve, the female solo printers who are running the show on their own, they need coaching. They need guidance. They don't necessarily need me to come in and take over and do everything for them. They need help with the steps that they're supposed to take, and they also need help with getting out of their own way. And so, about a year and a half in, I, I really started to redefine who my audience was. And once you do that, I think your offer like what you're offering naturally redefines itself. And that's when I really got into marketing coaching versus being like a full service marketing agency, if that makes sense. Oh, a hundred percent.
0: And I walked a very similar, similar path. You know, you think that you have to offer all the things so that you have the best chance of getting all the business and therefore all the, Yep. And you really don't. I, I don't know who said it first, yeah. but I always, I always think of that little, like the riches are in the niches. Like you have to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where it came yeah. from. It's
1: probably super cliche. I don't either, but, but I've heard it and you're absolutely right. Like I, when I first started, I think I was offering 12 plus different services. Mm-hmm. And now I offer really like just coaching. It's just either one-on-one or group coaching. And I've made more money
0: And landed more clients doing that than I ever did at the beginning. Do you think, though, that you needed to start broad in order to figure out what your narrow focus would be? Yeah. Yeah, I was very broad,
1: like more broad than I would tell people to do like now, like what I would recommend now. But yeah, I do think that um, when you serve a lot of clients, that's when you start to figure out who is a dream client versus who isn't. So um when in doubt like if i you know i i a lot of my clients um there's some who are brand new some who are like newish to business and typically when they're stressing out over like okay well who do i target and all of that i tell them listen don't be afraid to be a little broader right because you can always narrow down and you will you will as you as you are in business longer you know what works you start to know what doesn't work you start to know who you can't stand working with and i never want to work with this type of person again Versus I love this type of person. I wish I could clone them, Right. That's the kind of, and this is the thing that I always say, Meg, like you've got to take action because with action comes clarity. So if you're sitting around, I see so many women sitting around like waiting to like, you know, till their website is perfect or waiting to update everything that they're doing or have this perfect plan. And I'm like, just get started. Just get out there and start talking to people because you can only get a certain level of clarity in the beginning like researching behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you've got to get out there and that's when you're going to get the most clarity. Like any, any change I've ever made in my business has come with taking
0: action and realizing what worked and what didn't work. Uh, exactly. And we're recording this right before uh, the new year. So this will release yes. after the new year, but we're recording it before the new year. And I feel like we're seeing a lot of that now where people are waiting Until January because for whatever reason we have this thought in our minds that once the calendar hits 2020 It's like a new a new year new you all that stuff But there's no reason we shouldn't start those things now. No, no. and at the beginning
1: of December I went live inside of my group and I said like how many of you are checked out already? You still have an entire month left even now with what we're recording. We have a week and a half left, you know like It's great to think ahead. It's great to set goals, but you also need to be present in the moment. And listen, I'm saying this as much to myself as I am to the (laughs) listeners, but you've got to be present in the moment and be looking at what's happening around you now, because that's when you can take advantage of opportunities that are literally lying right in front of you. You just can't see if you're looking, if you're looking past them and you're looking
0: ahead. Right. Too far in the future. Yeah. So now that you've got things kind of, of honed in, <laughs> in your business, what do you see? What do you see for the future? Are you planning anything? Um, are you planning for anything to change?
1: Um, well, there will be a big change coming to my family next year, Um. At the time that this will be released, it'll still be a couple months out. But I'm expecting my third child in May. Oh, congratulations! So there will definitely be some big changes. Thank you. Um, some big changes for sure. Uh, personally, on a personal level, in terms of business, you know, it's a blend of continuing to do what's working, which is my one-on-one coaching, my group program, but then introducing a couple of new things that I can try. I think that's important. It's important to have that balance. And that's quite frankly, like what I coach my clients through doing is how do you introduce new things without destroying and like lighting everything on fire? Because too many people do that. I'm sure you can relate to that or you've seen that it's like, you know, as soon as you get, get hold of something new, you're like, I'm going to toss out everything else. I'm like, no, 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 no. You just let, us keep building on it. Right. So for me, it's continuing to offer those things, um, bringing in a little more passive income, especially with you know, the changes that are happening in, in my family and managing three children. Um, and then offering two new things that I'm really excited about. And I purposely picked two new things, not five, because I also want to be realistic about what's happening in my life, because I believe that your business should support your life and not the other way around. So for me, I'm introducing two new things that I'm really excited about. Um, I'm going to be launching a retreat for women, for women who are really looking to get that community, but get it in person. And then I'm also going to be doing a virtual summit that will be kind of like a free resource where I'm bringing in other experts and just not just focused on marketing, but really giving women, um, kind of all the tips to run a successful business. So I'm super pumped about those two things. Do I want to do more? Do I always want to do more? Absolutely. But I also have to remind myself that like focus on fewer high quality things, versus trying to be everywhere and
0: do everything. Well, that's definitely a great lesson too. Now, I did know about your pregnancy. I know I've seen that on Facebook, but I did kind of forget about it, especially because I'm not seeing you in person. I'm sure if we were in person, it would have been different. Yeah. What are you doing in your business to prepare for the pregnancy? Will you take a maternity leave or how, how will all that work?
1: Yeah. So um, one of the thing and I've like knowing that this is happening I've started to put things in place even now at the time that we're recording this to prepare for that um last month I hired an operations manager I also hired two contractors to support me in different areas of my business so I'm delegating more which is challenging for a type a person like myself but I'm doing it because I know I need to Um, my operations manager has also been my business coach. So we may, we laid out a plan for how I could take the entire month of May off to really be with the baby, to adjust to the new, and then to the new changes. And then we also identified, okay, when you get back in June, like, I'm not going to jump right back in full force. Like, how do you start? Like, what are the priority things that you need to start addressing in June? For me, it's my one-on-one clients. And what can you start to like ease back into? So we created an entire like timeline, but I am taking the entire month of May off. I have the support to do it. It doesn't mean that it's not a little bit scary, but my, at my priority during the month of May needs to be my family. Like they're always my priority, but especially during the month of May.
0: That's one thing that I didn't have the know-how, like the business know-how to do when I had my fourth child. I started my business with baby number three and then when baby four came around, I just didn't. I, I, you know what I mean? Like I just wasn't there yet. I was still so, so great. Uh, totally. the same thing with my second son. Yeah. When my second son
1: came around, I didn't have a coach. I didn't have any support. Somehow I survived. I don't know how. Um. So yeah, this time around I have the support. and my business is also in a really, really good place. Like I could not work or do anything from now through end of August. And I would be fine. Like, like, We would still be fine even after that, but that's when I would have to start like bringing in more income. Like literally, I mean, that's, I've never been in that position before where I've had the income and the clients coming in to support me over a six month or more longer period.
0: Well, I would love if you be open to sharing some of your tips on how to bring in consistent clients like that. I know that's one of the things that you, you teach about and you've obviously, it's the key to to this plan working for you because you've got those clients in there okay so and this could take days but i
1: we don't have days so i will try to i will try to uh, keep it short but um really the fir- i mean so here's the biggest thing the thing that is the game changer above all game changers it's your mind it's what you believe is possible If you don't believe that there are dream clients out there, aka people who want to work with you, who want to pay you, who will get results with you, then you are going to struggle with any kind of marketing strategy. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches are missing, right? They either have like all of the mindset and like manifest it and it will come, right? Or they have all of the strategy, but none of the mindset. You've got to have both. So for me, in order to be successful and get, have gotten to where I am, where I can say, you know, I could do nothing and I'm not going to do nothing because I, I love my business, but like I could do nothing from now till August and I would be fine. Like it wouldn't even, you know, impact anything for me to have gotten to that point. Yeah. I have a great strategy in place, but I've also got the, like, I'm out of, I, I got to get out of my own way. Right. Like we're the ones who doubt our abilities. We're the ones who doubt how much success is possible. And I face that stuff even now being a six-figure business owner. Like you face that stuff at every level of business. Don't ever let anyone tell you differently. It's the one thing I would say. Um, And so you've got to get your mind right or none of what I'm about to say will work. I think that's first and foremost. Second, you need to be really, really clear about who your dream client is. And I know we we had talked at the beginning kind of about being a little more broad at first, which is fine. But one thing that I notice and and that pretty much all of my clients struggle with when they come to me is they're spending a lot of time talking to the wrong people, talking to the people whose opinion shouldn't matter versus the people who are right in front of them who are their dream client. We are all, every single one of us, no matter who you are, what you do, we are meant to work with a small group of people. When I say meant to work, I mean our skill set and our superpower aligns perfectly with the skills and experience of our dream client. So instead of trying to cast a wide net, like you need to be focused on who are the people who are best set up to work with me and who are gonna get the best results. And a lot of that is looking at who you've already served and who's gotten the best results because I guarantee there's like a common thread or theme throughout all of those clients that will help you land on your dream client. That's something that, that I've had to actively do in my business. And I've even done recently, like I did another iteration of it. And it just took my business to a whole nother level, even just through doing that, because that drives everything else in your marketing, right? It drives your messaging. So you need to have clear messages that are going to speak directly to that dream client. And then you also need to be showing up in the places that they are right. And don't worry about being everywhere. You don't need to be. I've made six figures by being solely on Facebook, and then having my podcast, like I'm not everywhere. Like People say it seems like I'm everywhere, but I'm really not. You know, I've just gone all in on one one area. And that's what I refer to as lead generation, like making sure that you are really showing up in the place where your people are and just focus there and focus on, on connecting with them and building that relationship. Because if you can focus on the relationship first, the clients are going to come and they're going to be the clients that you want to work with versus the ones that are like, You feel like you're, you have to convince them to work with you, right? We've all been there, but those aren't your dream clients. And so I think, um, you know, based on my experience, what women struggle with the most is the dream client, identifying them, getting clear messaging, their lead generation. So how are they attracting new leads and their mindset? Like, that's really it. Like we make things so complicated by talking all about ads and funnels and all this elaborate stuff. And those things are great. Don't get me wrong, but you've got to have the basics. Down first, and a lot of people are still missing the basics, even six-figure or more business owners.
0: So, what do you personally do with the clients who come to you, or prospective clients that come to you that are not dream clients? Do you refer them out? Do you put them into another bucket?
1: Yep, I'll refer them out if I can. Um, I have no problem with them hanging out in my Facebook group because they're going to get value from it anyway. I just don't. I, I don't intend to work with them, and I I have had people reach out to me. Who I know I can't work with, and even though they're willing to pay me, I say no. I didn't used to. I used to say, "Well, if someone's willing to pay me, I I must—they must be a great client, so I should take them on." No, 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 no. Like I learned the hard way that if you know deep down that that person is not right for you, meaning maybe they are just not in the right space. Like maybe they are not committed. Maybe they are not like someone could say they want to pay you and then expect you to do everything and not be committed at all, right? I've had all of those things happen because I wasn't clear and I didn't stand and I didn't stand firm in my own power as an expert to say, you know what? I know you want to work with me and you want to pay me, but I'm not the best person for you. That's actually part of serving your audience. It's just the part that no one talks about, right? Um, Serving your audience means if someone's not a good fit, not taking, like not taking them on because then you, you cause them to miss out on the opportunity to work with someone who is, who is well-equipped to serve them. Right, they have somebody out there who would consider them a dream client. But if you're taking them on, then you're like cutting them off from the the beauty that comes with aligning the client and the expert perfectly.
0: I love that. I love the the visualization too. The the concept of everybody having their right match. Everybody has
1: their person. Yeah, everybody has their person. Like what feels like a, a crappy client to you is a dream client to someone else. But if you don't own your dream clients, then You're actually hurting the people in your community. And I know that might sound like a little bit like drastic, but or or dramatic, but like it's true. Service means being clear about who you can serve and being clear about who you can't. And the problem is that, like, especially if you're a people pleaser like myself, you might be saying, Well, I can help everybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you could help everybody, but are you meant to help everybody? Absolutely not. Or you hang on to that the harder it's going to be to land clients and to get to the next level in your business.
0: And it goes, and I feel like it speaks well to, um, to the idea of there being enough, right? Like people worry about scarcity, but, but there's enough for everybody. Yep. More than enough.
1: You could, you couldn't even be able to serve everybody. And that's, I think too, the scarcity part is also comes into play when people say, well, the market's too saturated. Like there's no way I can stand out. I'm like, that's not true.
0: That's scarcity. It's all. Scarcity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of my favorite ways to visualize it. Um, somebody told me about if you buy a car I'm about to do, tomorrow, we're, we're buying a minivan. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so This is, this is great. I'm excited for this analogy. <laughs> so tomorrow you, you're going to go out and get your minivan and let's, do you know like what color it is and stuff like that? Yeah, silver Honda Odyssey. Okay. So you're gonna pick up this silver Honda Odyssey. You're gonna drive it home and you're gonna see about twenty-four silver Honda Odysseys on the way home because you just bought one. And it's that's what happens in business too, is you say, I'm gonna be a Facebook marketing expert, and all of a sudden you're like, There's one, and there's one, and there's one, and there's one. They were always there. They were always there. You just didn't notice them before. And there's like you, like we said before, there's room for everybody. So it's,
1: I love that. That's a great analogy.
0: I feel like when you feel like there's so many people offering the same thing as you are, you just have to recognize that you're just hypersensitive to it.
1: Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to find it's confirmation bias, right? Like you're going to find confirmation. Like you're going to look for evidence, I guess I should say to confirm what you believe, which is the markets too saturated, Right. But if you believe that there's only one you, you're the only person who has ever walked the face of this earth who has lived the life that you live, who has had the experiences that you've had. If you believe that, then you're going to look for evidence to confirm that. Like which one do you want to confirm, right? Which one's going to be more helpful for you to confirm?
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we talked about some tips for bringing in consistent clients. And I love those because they're not the typical tips. Uh, So I thank you so much for bringing that to, to the table. I would also like to talk a little bit about, um, how you're balancing everything in your family and where you're finding the time to do all the things.
1: Oh boy. I don't know if I do a great job, but (laughs) it certainly doesn't always feel great. Right? Like I'm sure that I'm not the only one who has ever felt like if things are going really well in business, they're not going so great at home or vice versa. Like Balance is definitely a hard thing, I think, for anyone to achieve. So first and foremost, give yourself grace. And I know I don't give myself nearly enough grace. And I think for me, the biggest thing has been accepting help and asking for help. And I have a hard time with that. I have a really hard time with that. You know, in the past, I haven't done that because I felt like it meant that I couldn't handle things. But what I'm realizing is like, my husband and I, were a team. Like, he's got to pitch in. He's got to help, you know? Um, you know, my kids go, my mom watches my kids during the week so that I can, um, work on my business two full days out of the week. So like, I am accepting help from people around me and it's really hard, but I've had to do it in order to be able to maintain a business and maintain a family. I think also just the concept of being fully present in whatever you're doing, right? So when I'm in my business, being fully, fully present and engaged. And then when I'm with my kids, being fully present and engaged with them. And that's a really hard thing to do. Like, I'm sure I'm not the only parent who has been on her cell phone when she's in the room with her kids. And my son, you know, my older son, he is four. And so he's starting to like, he notices that stuff now, you know? And um, not calls me out. I think that'll probably be another year or two before that happens. But like, he's starting to notice, you know? And, and just instead of beating myself up for doing that, like looking at like, how can I set better boundaries? Like maybe I need to put the phone in another room or turn it off or put it on airplane mode when I'm with my kids or, you know, there are little things like that that I think I do. But really, truly the the stuff that makes the biggest impact is asking for help, giving myself a lot of grace. Um, I'm a very spiritual person. So my relationship with God is important. So like spending time in prayer, especially when I'm feeling like I don't have it together, you know, Um, and being fully present. Like in whatever I'm doing, just going all in on that moment and not thinking about like what what's on my to-do list or, you know, like what I need to do next week, but really being present. And I think too, like as part of the delegating, like, what do you need to delegate? Like, do you need to delegate? Do you need to have like someone come to your house and clean it like once a month or once every other month to start? Like do it, right? Do you need to, you know, have um, grocery pickup, like order it on Instacart? Like do it, right? Like little, I feel like we... We have this pressure on ourselves as moms, right? And this is a whole other topic, but like we have this pressure on ourselves as moms that we have to be doing everything. You have to pick the things that are important, do those and delegate the rest or let the rest go. Like my house has been pretty dirty, you know? Like <laughs> there are there are laundries piling up and like it is what it is. I'll get to it when I can get to it. But like, what's the priority? Is the priority spending time in the moment with my kids when I'm not working? Or is it like being tucked away in the laundry room? that's just an example, but I think we've been fed this like lie that we have to do it all. We have to be perfect in everything. And so women take on everything themselves and you could just as easily order your groceries without having to go to the grocery store.
0: Right. And it doesn't make you any less of a, make you. Any less of a parent. In fact, if it allows you to be a more present parent, then that's why you need to do it. Now your kids are still young. They are. are two and a half. <laughs> Have you given any thought to how you're going to introduce entrepreneurship to them or if you will? I haven't actually. Um, you know, it's funny. There's obviously like this whole
1: other conversation about like what's college going to be like when they're older and all of that and I think really the biggest thing is I want them to see that number number one where hard work gets you. I want them to see that um, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone is a good thing like My oldest is a lot like me, where he is very type A wants to be in his comfort zone wants to have everything perfect. And I'm really trying to work with him. And I mean, I think I could try a lot harder, but it'll probably get easier as he starts actually going to like kindergarten and stuff. But um, I really want to like help him see that it's okay to mess up. It's okay to step out of your comfort zone. It's okay to try new things and don't give up like When he was first learning to dress himself, like he would get so frustrated because he wouldn't be able to get his foot and, you know, the sock on or like whatever, right? Whatever was going on, like he would just get really frustrated and he would want to quit right away. And so I'm really trying to show him, um, tell him and show him that it's important to keep going because I think that's the core. I mean, that's truly like what a lesson, right? For entrepreneurs. I do not believe that failure exists unless you stop and quit altogether. Every single time I've fallen down and I fall down all the time. Every single time I've fallen down, it's not about the falling down. It's about what am I going to do? Am I going to stay down on the ground or am I going to get back up and try again? And so every time my son does that, where he tries again and he's successful, like I just praise him so much because I'm like, you did it. You didn't give up. Like, and it's hard, right? Because as parents, we want to do everything for our kids. We want to like keep them in a bubble. But you can't if you want to teach him that lesson. And so I guess I'm already teaching him lessons about being an entrepreneur. If he chooses that path, that'll be great. I think life's going to look a lot different. Jobs are going to look a lot different when they're older. Um, but ultimately I just want him to know, like, we don't quit. We don't give up. That's not what, that's
0: not what we do. I love that. And I love how you related it back to the putting those socks and stuff on. That was what was relevant in the moment because we are we finally like
1: are in the point where we're dressing ourselves, but that took some time for sure. Like I had to be okay too with allowing him to be up in his room for like 20 minutes in the morning, <laughs> like put that on where I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to leave, like just put your clothes on, you know, but I have to be more hands off. Like, and I'm learning that. And I'm, I mean, I'm definitely probably too hands-on of a parent. And so this is a good reminder for me especially now that he's four to be more hands off and like let him do things on his own because nobody did anything for me in my business. I had to do it all, you know, like I, yes, I've delegated, but like I'm the one that built the business. Like I'm the one that had to fall down and get back up and continually has to. And you know, if someone came in and just did everything for me, I don't think I would feel such pride in what I'm building. And that's, I guess the same thing for
0: him. Yeah. It's definitely a hard transition. I think it'll sure. be easier on your, if, if you're anything like me, though, it'll be easier on the younger kids, just because you don't have as much time. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a different, I'm definitely a different parent with my older one than I am
1: with the second one. And I'm sure with number three, like, I'll be like, oh, here, go. as long as you're alive, like, it's all good, you know, but yeah, my expectations are different. Um, and I'm definitely different with the second one. I'm more relaxed, because I already have been there. And I've done that. You know, and so. kids
0: are a lot like businesses, like as it, it, weird as that is, buying a business and being a parent is
1: like the same thing.
0: <laughs> so by like the second child, by the second, like you've already built one child successfully. And I don't mean like you built uh, him, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like you built a yeah. business and you built a child and
1: yeah. Like easier. the things that used to rattle you don't rattle you in business. Now there will always be new things. Right. And so with my oldest, like we're always in new territory. Now we're in preschool. Next year we'll be in kindergarten, right? Like we're always in new territory with him. And so that's when I tend to get the most rattled. But with the second one, every to every stage he gets through, I'm like, we've been there. Oh, I remember when so-and-so did. Like, I remember when Jackson did that. Like that was really annoying. Oh, that'll pass, right? And so I think with business, like there's going to be certain milestones that you hit. And then once those things come up, like stuff that you've dealt with before, you're like, I've dealt with it before. I can handle it. It's the new stuff, right? It's the stuff that gets you out of your comfort zone. That's the scariest.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. that's also
1: where the most growth happens. Like, it's not that I'm not growing as a parent with my second child,
0: but there's nothing like the growth that happens with your first and what it what it what it changes inside of you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this has been amazing. I love the direction that this whole interview went. So I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your obviously busy schedule. You. Um, can you share with my audience where they can connect with you? Sure. Um, I would love if anyone who's
1: interested um, could connect with me inside of my Facebook group. So it's called Market Like a Boss. Um, and if you are you know curious about how to land dream clients and how to get to that next level in business and what should you do and what should your marketing focus on, um, I've got tons of trainings and resources. I go live pretty frequently inside of
0: that group. So I would love to have you join myself and the other ladies. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has really been a treat, and I appreciate everything that you shared with us. Thank you for the opportunity. This was awesome. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur podcast. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrenson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Do us a favor. Share this podcast with a friend who is also building a business and raising a family. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring.